0: After an in-depth five-year investigation with nothing to go on but a laptop full of evidence of widespread Biden family corruption that included payoffs to the President of the United States, the Department of Justice has finally managed to force the president's son and bagman, Hunter Biden, to plead guilty to a misdemeanor in return for no jail time and a period of community service in the influence peddling industry. Attorney General Merrick Scarface Garland said the deal should finally late arrest charges that he was meeting out justice unfairly when his DOJ recently charged Donald Trump with espionage, a charge that carries a penalty of execution by firing squad in the event Trump is found guilty by an army officer above the rank of second lieutenant or Rachel Maddow. That charge came after investigators caught Trump on video, watching a rerun of From Russia with Love in a suspicious manner, and also received damning testimony from a witness described as being a friend of Bill Kristol. Which I guess would have to be Bill Kristol. In a statement released to his pals at the Ravenite Social Club in Little Italy, Attorney General Merrick Babyface Garland said it should now be clear to Americans and other suckers that DOJ investigators were willing to bring the full force of the law against all Republicans equally. Garland and his buddies then chuckled darkly and continued counting the stacks of quarters they'd acquired by emptying local parking meters. Hunter Biden pled guilty to misdemeanor tax evasion after an investigation by Attorney General Merrick Machine Gun Garland revealed that Hunter had underreported his 2017 income as $1.5 million, thereby not including the $5 million he received in bribes from Ukraine. Hunter had originally claimed that the bribe money should not count as his income because he had immediately passed it on to, quote-unquote, the big guy. But after a 27-hour interview with investigators working for Attorney General Merrick, Joey Bananas-Garland, Biden agreed to plead guilty to the tax evasion charge on condition he would not receive jail time, but would receive a free Tesla Model X and an all-expenses-paid two-week vacation in Odessa. While some complained that other tax offenders, like actor Wesley Snipes, had received jail time for similar crimes, Attorney General Merrick Jr. Lollipop's Garden said the two cases were very different because Hunter Biden is a white man. While the plea deal ends this five year phase of the Hunter Biden investigation, Attorney General Merrick Icepick Willie Garland says the DOJ is still looking into other possible charges against the president's son and bagman. For instance, After Hunter left the body of a dead hooker in a Bangkok gutter, he may be charged with littering. After Hunter hurried across a street to deliver a duffel bag filled with Ukrainian greenbacks to his father, he may be charged with jaywalking. And after Hunter spent six weeks so stoned on crack cocaine he couldn't find the library, he could be forced to pay $32 in overdue fines. Critics of the investigation point out that it was Joe Biden himself who, in 1986, drafted the crime bill that delivered tremendously harsh sentences for the use of crack cocaine. That bill led to an increase of over a million people in American prisons. But according to Attorney General Merrick Big Tuna Garland, Hunter's case is different from those cases because Hunter is a white man. Attorney General Merrick Jackie the Nose Garland says the DOJ will now feel free to continue its investigation into the crimes of Donald Trump, including a charge of high treason for delaying the business of the United States government by causing Democrats to hate him so much they impeached him for no reason. The charge carries a possible sentence of life in prison if Trump is convicted by a show of hands or just a general sense among the right sort of people that he isn't really very nice. Meanwhile, with the Hunter Biden plea deal behind him, President and venal houseplant Joe Biden issued a statement along with Dr. Mrs. First Lady Madam Jill Biden saying, quote, Jill and I are glad to see that Hunter's finally taking responsibility for his actions. Now where's my cut of the money? Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. We are back laughing our way through the rapture. This episode is brought to you by Moink. Right now, my listeners will get a free package of bacon in your first box that is free and bacon going together, free bacon, available for a limited time only. Go to Moinkbox.com slash Claven. That's M-O-I-N-K box.com slash how do you spell it? K-L-A-V-C-N-C-N-V-L-C-V-C. A-N. A N. Also, good time to subscribe to my personal YouTube channel, the Andrew Claven YouTube channel. You will get exclusive content delivered to your house in a plain brown wrapper. Uh, just it, actually, we'll wrap it in old pornography, so people won't think it's anything suspicious. And if you leave a comment on YouTube, and that comment is racist, sexist, deplorable in some sort of way, we will be able to include it on the show, uh, where that's that's what we do here. Uh, today's comment is from Lady Mollick. It says, uh, "Part of the art of telling." the truth is knowing when to tell it. If your wife is going to a party and puts on a new dress, then is not the time to tell her she's too old and or chubby for it. Telling people immediately after the 2020 election that it wasn't stolen when it clearly was because of non-coverage of the laptop was really badly timed truth-telling. You know, I'm going to take a minute to answer. There's actually a kind of a serious comment that Lady Malik, I love you, but I disagree with this almost entirely. Um, first of all, just to be clear, I immediately said that the election was rigged in terms of the of, uh, non-coverage of the laptop and other unfairnesses toward Trump. What I said was I was not convinced it was actually stolen, and even if it was, if you couldn't prove it in court, it didn't matter. That was what I said and what I still say. Uh, and I, I don't agree with this idea, first of all, I don't agree with this idea that you flatter your wife by lying to her. If my wife comes down and is going to a party in a new dress and the dress does not look good on her, I will tell her. She knows I will tell her, and she knows that anything that's coming out of my mouth is what I really think. So she also knows, for instance, when I tell her I will be true to her forever, that that is also true. Those are the things that she gets from me. And you know, you know for a fact that you can pay other people to lie to you. You know that you have paid other people to lie to you. You know that people told you that the election was stolen while they were passing emails in-house saying we know the election's not stolen but we have to tell our audience this because this is what they believe. You know that happened on other shows. I don't do that here, and I know it sometimes costs me. It sometimes costs me your love, it sometimes costs me audience numbers all of the things that I want, your love and audience numbers, but it seems important to me. And one of the reasons it seems most important to me is obviously I think, we all know, this country's going through a period of darkness. When you were born, no one issued you a little guarantee that every day was gonna be a period of light. Now we're in a period of darkness and corruption, and that corruption, the way that evil works is that entices you, it says to you, you can only defeat evil by becoming evil, you can only defeat lies by lying, you can only defeat hatred by hating. That's how you get sucked into the darkness. All we have to stop that is the truth, and that's a little candle that we light here, and we keep it burning even when it annoys you that we do that. So that is why I do that. All right, let's get into today's episode, Night of the Hunter.
1: H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see these fingers, dear hearts, these fingers has veins that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends, the hand of love. Now, watch, and I'll show you the story of life. These fingers, dear hearts, is always a war and a tugging one against the other. Now, watch them. Old brother left hand, left hand hates a fighting, and it looks like love's a goner. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hot dog loves a winning. Yes, siree. It's love that won. An old left-hand hate is down for the count.
0: That's Robert Mitchum in the great film, Night of the Hunter, and we are living in that movie, except our hunter is Hunter Biden, and of course in our version of the movie, Hate Wins. The evil is lodged everywhere in the Department of Justice. There's also evil at uh, Dodger Stadium where they had evil gay people uh, coming on and giving them an award, an unbelievably stupid moment, and the titanically stupid reaction to the Titan implosion was a little bit of evil on Twitter and we will end with a Shakespeare play that teaches us how not to become part of the evil. All right, let's start with chapter one. What is corruption? One of my ugliest traits as a human being, and I have told you, confessed this to you before, is that I've always found corruption kind of funny. I don't know exactly why it is, why I think it is. I think it's because of original sin. We were made to be like the angels, but instead we are these incredibly corrupt gorillas, you know, and I think that there's something about that that's funny. It's kind of like watching a guy in a tuxedo fall into a mud puddle, a, a mud puddle, a mud puddle. I ask myself, why does this happen? You know, you say, well, it's original sin, and that's a kind of cover all, and I'm sure that's true, but how exactly does it take place in the human mind? And I think what corruption actually is is a transposition of values, a transposition for bad values, uh, of good values for bad values, and vice versa. That people basically, at the most basic level of corruption, we'll call that the Hunter Biden level of corruption, they put personal pleasure, drugs, sex, money, in front of doing the right thing, in front of moral morality and you know spirituality and the things that make you an actual good person and give you a joyful life. But I think with guys like Attorney General Merrick Scarface Garland, I think it's a little bit different because I think I know people who know him who say he was a good person. He was an actual guy who did his job and believed in the rule of law. And I think what he has done is he's transposed values like personal loyalty and maybe some belief in the leftist policies of the Biden administration and maybe an overdone fear of Donald Trump and the so-called threat to democracy, which Donald Trump is not. And he's put those in front of doing his job, which is dealing out justice. The stuff that came out just just yesterday about Hunter Biden and the investigation into Hunter Biden, he was not convicted. He pled guilty to two tax evasion misdemeanor charges and a kind of weird gun thing where he agrees he's gonna do something. There's not gonna be any jail time, it doesn't look like. But now we have a two whistleblowers from the IRS investigation team. One of them is named Gary Shapley and the other is anonymous. And they have come out with some of the details of what happened during this investigation. This is, of course, whistleblowers. We don't have the proof of this, but there's no reason for them to risk their careers and come out and say this. First of all, they have a WhatsApp message from Mr. Biden to a Chinese businessman named Henry Zhao, I think it's pronounced. And in the message, Hunter Biden said that he was sitting with his father, and he said, we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Obviously, some kind of payoff. And he says, quote, tell the director, meaning the director of this business, that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, namely Joe Biden and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. That's Hunter Biden sounding very much like John Gotti or one of the other many gangsters who we referenced in our opening we don't know for a fact that he was sitting next to his father in that call he might have been bluffing but we do know that his father Joe Biden when he was out of office when he was finished being vice president before he had become president attended meetings that were intended to give Hunter Biden authority when he said things like that so you would say oh yes he actually is in touch with his father now Shapley who is a 14 year IRS veteran said that the the Justice Department, quote, provided preferential treatment and unchecked conflicts of interest. His team was told by Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf, and I love her name, it's like a novel, right? Yeah, the wolf, the wolf in the Justice Department. They were told that they couldn't pursue a search warrant of Joe Biden's guest house where Hunter lived because of the optics and because there is no way we will get that approved. I'm reading some of this from Kim Strassel's column today. In December 2020, the team wanted to search a storage unit in Virginia where Hunter had moved business documents Ms. Wolf objected, then tipped off Hunter's Defense counsel, quote, ruining our chance to get to evidence before being destroyed, manipulated, or concealed. Now, we remember how they showed up at Mar-a-Lago without warning to anybody but the news media, how they've arrested Republicans repeatedly in these 5 a.m. raids with only CNN Tipped off so they could get it all on television, but the Justice Department, according to this IRS whistleblower, was tipping off Hunter Biden that he was going to be searched. He was tipped off they had a day of action when they were going to surprise twelve witnesses and interview them. But obviously, uh, Miss Wolf also tipped them off, and they only got one reasonable. Interview Miss Wolf told investigators not to ask any questions about dad or the big guy they were blocked on fo- uh, f- from following leads about the financial transactions of Hunter's children since she said Miss Wolf said in we will get into hot water if we interview the president's grandchildren one of the the other whistleblower the anonymous guy said he was sick of fighting to do what's right and we've all know that We've all had that experience when people are getting in the way because they do not want you to do what's right. They were ordered to take, to not look into evidence of campaign finance violations. They were told to take Hunter's name off official document requests. The IRS still, nonetheless, this team still prepared a document which recommended charging Hunter with felony tax evasion, felony false tax returns. Hunter Biden, according to this, was taking the, you know, remember the Barisma stuff, that sinecure he got in Ukraine with this oil company doing, we have no, he was on the board and they gave him $50,000 a year. Now, I'm not very good at math, but that sounds like $600,000 a year. He's getting $50,000 a month, excuse me, it comes out to $600,000 a year. He called it a loan, so he didn't have to report it on his taxes. That would get you and me put in prison, right? All of this, the slow walking of it, the five years that it took to investigate it meant the statute of limitations lapsed on some of this. This is incredible levels of corruption. I mean, this is not a small thing. Now, what really gets me about this is the New York Times. Here's how the New York Times, a former newspaper, reported this. House Republicans sought to portray the testimony as further evidence that Hunter Biden had gotten what they call a sweetheart deal from the Justice Department even though his agreement to plead guilty to two misdemeanor charges appeared in line with how other first-time nonviolent offenders were typically treated. Mr. Biden paid his back taxes and penalties in 2021. Yeah, that's other nonviolent offenders who weren't influence peddling, passing money on to the vice president of the United States, and, and it's not the way Donald Trump is being treated when he is the mo- main man right now running against Joe Biden. And that means to me that the New York Times has become corrupt by transposing the values of leftism, what it thinks is gonna bring equity in a perfect world without the evils of capitalism, without the evils of meritocracy, where some people do better than others and people who are born and have bad luck and other people are born with good luck, it's good. they're gonna wipe all that away, they're gonna make the world perfectly fair, and in order to do that, they have to lie, cheat, and defend people who shouldn't be defended and basically no longer do their job, which is covering the news, and that's how corruption starts, and it can get any one of us, any one of us, if we put our anger, our desires, our flesh, our needs, the things that give us pleasure, above doing the right thing. It is now officially summer, so you'll be barbecuing and cooking and eating and eating and eating. That's why you want Moink. My friends at Moink, every barbecue or gathering, you can indulge in flavor-packed perfection to ignite your taste buds with every bite. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink even lets you choose the meat delivered in every box. Select an existing box or create your own. Set your delivery cadence and enjoy delicious meat you can cancel any time you'll never want to cancel. I just received my own Moink box. It was the standard box. It comes with a little bit of everything, chicken, ribeye, burgers, and steak. When I tell you you need to try Moink, you need to try Moink. They're bacon. I love their bacon. Moink is all about supporting the family farm. Think about this. 2% of Americans are farmers but 100% of us eat. We need those guys. Whether you prefer your meat rare, medium rare, or well done, Moink's cuts are guaranteed to be a juicy delight providing a burst of flavor that will leave you craving more. Make this summer the most delicious one yet. Go to moinkbox.com claven Get a free package of that delicious bacon in your first box. That's moinkbox.com claven spelled M O I N K box dot com slash what? How is it? What, what, how do you spell it? It's K L A V A N. No ease in Clavin. There are no ease in
1: Clavin.
0: Chapter two Evil Gaze.
2: Keep it light, keep it bright,
0: keep it gay. All right, now listen carefully to this segment because there's going to be a quiz afterwards and see if you can tell where the values got transposed. We're going to talk about the Titan submarine, but first I want to talk about this because this also happened this week at one of the stupidest most mindless examples of transposed values I have ever seen, the L.A. Dodgers, making the team that was once represented by Catholic Vin Scully and Catholic Tommy Lasorda, inviting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to their Pride Night, which I believe was, I think it was Sunday. This is the stupidest decision ever made in baseball since they put the designated hitter rule into effect. The Perpetual Sisters of of Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are an anti-Catholic hate group. They're gay and they're drag queens, but really what they are is they're an anti-Catholic hate group where drag queens act out sexual desecrations on the image of Jesus Christ and his mother Mary. We don't have to go into detail, you can imagine what they are. The Dodgers invited them to Pride Night, disinvited them, got flack from gay activists, and as I always tell you, you should never confuse the activists with the actual gay people who are just going about their business, living their lives, and really need nothing from us except to be left alone. But these are the activists who are pushing this stuff. It's a very different thing. So they got, the Dodgers got pressure from them to reinvite them, they caved into the pressure, and they reinvited these people who desecrate the image of God and all Catholic rights. So on the day, the Dodgers, clearly realizing they had done perhaps the stupidest thing in baseball ever, had two members of the—they only had two members of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence show up two hours before the game, nearly empty stadium. People showed up for the game later, but they didn't show up for this. And they stood there, and they didn't do any of their routines while they were honored, as I—you know, for what? I don't know. But they were honored. While— Thousands of Catholics literally protested outside and they listened to speeches, including one by that great Catholic, Rabbi Michael Barclay, right? He's being Jewish and he showed up and this is what he said, cut three.
2: And if you're anti-Catholic, you're anti-religion, you're anti-God, I got a problem with that.
0: All right, so the answer to the quiz, which values were being transposed, is they transposed inclusion And morality. The people outside, these thousands of protesters who showed up, they're listening, they're cheering a rabbi who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. And he is showing up to speak to Catholics who have in the past been quite cruel to the Jews at times. And they're cheering each other and they're working together, they're including one another because they are standing under the umbrella of godliness and morality. If you go for morality, you get the inclusion thrown in because you include people who are doing the right thing, even if they disagree with you. But if you go for inclusion first, if you make inclusion a value, something else happens. Now, I hate Hitler and Nazi comparisons because we in America have had it pretty good and we've never seen anything here like the Nazis, but here's a comparison that I think is really valid. During the Holocaust, the gays were persecuted. I mean, the Holocaust was an attempt to slaughter the Jews. That's what it was. The Holocaust was an attempt to wipe the Jews out, and it was almost successful, almost wiped the Jews out of Europe for for sure. But there were also gay people persecuted. I think about 15,000 of them were killed, and they had to wear a pink triangle just like the Jews had to wear a yellow star. So please don't think that I'm saying that the Nazis were gay or that there were a lot of gays in the Nazis. But when Hitler was starting out, he had a group of paramilitary thugs who protected him from protesters. They were called the SA, which was initials standing for the German word for stormtroopers, right? And they were run by a gay guy, Ernst Strom, by a homosexual. Everybody knew he was homosexual. He had written about it. Hitler knew he was homosexual. So even though the Nazis were ostensibly against homosexuals, they had this SA which was loaded with homosexuals. Now, Hitler takes power, and by the way, the communists, who were the guys who also had their stormtroopers, there were communist stormtroopers, tro- th- communist stormtroopers, and Nazi stormtroopers. So it's sort of like Portland, Oregon. But the communists were theoretically in favor of gay rights, but they were only too happy to continually accuse the SA of being rife with gay people. So it had nothing to do with what you believed. It had to do with the way people were behaving. So Hitler rises to power. He needs to get rid of the SA, and the. he now has got the SS who are uh, closer to him and people he trusts. And so one night, it was called the Night of the Long Knives. He had Ernst Rohm and many of his followers wiped out. And at that point, he said, well, you know, they were homosexuals, right? Then suddenly he became anti-gay. Now, here's my question. What if the LA Dodgers had invited the SA because they were gay to Dodger Stadium? It's a fair comparison. I mean, it's like saying we'd be, we'd be sitting here going, yeah, but they're Nazis. And he goes, yes, but it's Pride night. Yeah, but they're Nazis. Yeah, but they're homosexuals. It's Pride night. It's inclusion. It's Pride night. No, no. <laughs> you unite the thing that you include. Is morality. That's what you include and that's what you do. And so they didn't understand that when you just put inclusion above everything else, you're going to wind up celebrating these people who are a hate group. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are not a gay rights group, they're not a gay, you know. Give us give us let us live tolerate us group. You know, I'm totally tolerant I, I understand that people are have all kinds of sexual Deviations and all that stuff and if they keep them to themselves and they're living a moral life Otherwise, it's just not my business and I don't want the government going into their bedrooms and bothering them I don't want them being arrested for who they are that has nothing to do with it if they're not hurting people and they're in involved in Consensual and loving relationships. I, I want nothing. I don't want to know about it basically but but I these people were hateful they were just like, it's just like inviting nazis who happen to be gay and saying well they're gay it's pride night we're giving, giving them an award it's nuts and there's something else going on here too you know the number of americans supporting same-sex relationships has dropped from 71 to 64% compared to 1 year ago that is that's from a new gallup poll so that means that looking over the long term americans have become more liberal toward gay people but in the short term seeing all this garbage that's going on in schools and with children and all that they're getting annoyed they're starting to they're starting to back away from accepting gay people now this is personal with me you guys know that I have a gay son whom I love dearly I'm not related to him but I'm deeply uh, uh, you know I love him very deeply I People, it always annoys me when people say, oh, he changed his mind about gays because he has a gay son. I, my, my opinion about gay people has never changed. I looked at them, and I thought, look, this is some people are like this. They're not hurting anybody. I am, I'm an artist. If it weren't for gay people, I wouldn't be able to be in my profession. So many of the people in my profession are gay, gays. I've worked with so many good people who are gay. I'm just not going to, you know— if God has a problem with it, I believe that all of us should take our activities sexual and otherwise before God and talk about them if God has a problem with it, I hope he tells them I hope he they listen to him but that is not something that I, that bothers me if they're not picking my pocket or breaking my leg that that has nothing to do with me. when Spencer was growing up and I knew he was gay when he told me he was gay I, I said to him, you know don't worry about these things because, People are getting more liberal about this, and it's going to be fine. The things that are people are fighting about now, you can get. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't want them to follow these activists who were corrupting and who were uh, who were themselves wicked. Never mind the gay stuff. And I would tell them it's gonna be fine because people are getting more and more liberal. It's not at all like it was when I was a kid and you could be arrested. People, people would not come back to, my, to visit my house because they would come to a party and meet a gay couple there. So I mean, that, that stuff has all disappeared. And I, these are things that, you know, this is why I don't have a lot of respect for people who parade how brave they are in supporting gay people when basically that doesn't cost you anything. I did it when it cost, cost you something. But. When the Obergfeld decision came down, when the Supreme Court said, you have a right to get married. Now, straight people don't have a right to get married. This is a state-by-state law, and the religious it has to do with your religious feelings and the feelings of the state. I told them, this is a setback. I told Spencer, this is a setback, the fact that they have said this, because it is taking away from people their right to discuss, to debate, to pass laws in their localities, to pass laws in their states. And when you do that, people get angry. The abortion issue was exactly the same, except it's much more important because they're murdering babies. But when you say you have the right to do this and people don't have a chance to debate it and be heard, for 50 years it remained an issue until Roe v. Wade was overturned. And now what you have is different states making different laws. Listen, I wish they would all outlaw abortion, but I believe that according to our principles and our government, they have a right to make their laws in their states. And this gives people the right to protest that and to move from state to state and to To have a voice, and that makes people stop being angry. What the Supreme Court did in Obergefell, and it was mostly Anthony Kennedy. He was the deciding vote, and he was also a buffoon as far as I'm concerned. What he did is he put his personal feelings of virtue above the law. He put his personal feelings that he should be this you know, wonderful guy telling us the meaning of life is for each person to decide for himself. Well, that may well be the case, but it's not the law. The law means the states have a right to decide who can get married and who can't. So once again, the transposition of values, of bad values, I'm a righteous person, for good values, I will, as a judge, interpret the law, have set this cause back and have set loose. They have set loose these evil people going into our schools and confusing children about their sexuality and their gender, which is genuinely an evil thing to do. That is when children are young, this is one of the things they do, is adjust to their bodies and adjust to their, and learn about sex and learn about values from their parents, not from some teacher who's messed up and wants to make sure the kids are messed up too. So this goes back to Obergefell. It all goes back to Obergefell. Like so much of the divisions in our country go back to Roe v. Wade, and that is once again a kind of corruption that's, seeped into the Supreme Court when they replaced good values with bad ones. What's the biggest summer secret to a great looking glowing summer complexion? It's having great skincare products from our friends at Genyacel. Burning sun, humidity, dehydration, makes your skin covered in dark spots and even puffier bags under the eyes It's a problem for all of us. Genucel's beautifully curated summer essentials package is a limited edition package that includes their one-of-a-kind ultra-retinal super moisturizer. Their ultra Retinol is a powerful plant extract alternative to retinal without the harsh side effects, and it's perfectly safe to use in the summer sun. Plus, you'll get Genucel's classic skincare therapy for under-eye bags and puffiness and concentrated vitamin C serum to nourish your skin for a visibly clear complexion with a glow that will get compliments everywhere you go. My producers, all the women around here are using this stuff. They love it. it they apply it all the time. They say they oh, can't go a day without it. Go to GenuCell.com slash Clavin right now to get your GenuCell Summer Essentials Package just for the summer. Every subscription order includes a customized summer spa gift box. Absolutely free. That's genusell.com slash clavin. slash genucel.com/ what what how do what how do you spell how do you spell that? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no easy
1: things.
0: All right, chapter three, Titanic Stupidity.
1: Get the f- out of my sight before I demolish you. <laughs> all
0: right, I have to comment on this Titan story. This little MacGyver submersible vessel that went down to look at the wreck of the Titanic uh, and apparently imploded, killing all five people on board. Uh, we have the Navy has listening secret acoustic de- detection system that they use for spotting enemy submarines, and apparently heard this implosion on Sunday, as early as Sunday but the search for the wreckage went on and we were held in suspense. So apparently the Navy didn't tell anybody. We're not sure who they told or didn't tell. They finally leaked it to the Wall Street Journal that they have this capacity. Now there's a conspiracy theory going around that they did this to divert attention from Hunter Biden. I find that a hard one to believe. I think they probably did it because they didn't want to reveal that they had this capability for listening. But I also think that it wouldn't have mattered because they had to search. Just because they heard an implosion didn't mean that they knew this thing had gone. They were probably thinking, "Ah, that's what that is," but they probably didn't know, and they would have had to search anyway. So they kept their mouths shut. Still, it was, uh, you know, very tense, and people were really taken up with it. And they, of course, they were. There are some stories that defy reason, right? I mean, this is five people. We don't we don't know them. It's not a, a million people. It's not a major disaster. But this is something, you know, when people dive to the bottom of the sea like that, it represents something in the human spirit that we cherish and should cherish. Which is this desire to see and explore and know things. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite poems is a poem by Alfred Lord Tennyson called Ulysses, which is about the final journey of Ulysses after he's come back and now he's a king and he's bored of being a king and he's an old man and of course for obvious reasons I identify with this because he still has this taste for adventure and still wants to find things and at the end of the poem he says, he says, much is taken, much abides, in other words he's lost a lot but he still has a lot of energy in him, he says, we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are one equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. Now, who can hear those words and not be uplifted, right? And not say, yes, that is what life is about, to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. And that's why these guys were doing it. You know, a little bit of a tangent, but still in keeping with the subject, one of the things I hate about artificial intelligence is said it may be artificial, but it's not actually intelligence. Because, for instance, artificial intelligence can collect data about somebody and the things they've done, and using an algorithm, it can determine that, oh, they're going to buy soap on Thursday. It might even determine that they're going to get married on Thursday. It might determine that they, there are certain things they like, of certain books they want to read, and all these things. But it can't know them. It doesn't know why it thinks that. It only knows that there's an algorithm that reveals that to them. And the people who are fascinated by AI, the kind of geeks and wonks who love this stuff, think, well, we don't need to understand. We just need the algorithm. All we need is the algorithm. That gives us the information we need. Well, no. I mean, the whole purpose of being a human being is to understand. It's to understand other people. It's to understand the world. What difference does it make if a computer comes up with an algorithm if it doesn't understand anything, it might be helpful to us, it might help us understand things, but it's the understanding, the knowing, the seeing that really matters. People compare AI to God because it works in mysterious ways that we don't understand. Well it turns out then it's easier to make a God than it is to make a man, right? Because only God can make a man, but any man can make a God and worship an idol. So. The people, the men, on board the submarine is Stockton Rush, who's the CEO of the company that built this little submersible vessel. He's 61 years old. Uh, there was a British Pakistani businessman named Sh- Shazata Daywood who took his son Suleiman, 19. There's a British businessman named Hamish Harding, and a guy, of, an explorer, 77-year-old Paul Henry Nargiolle, who's a French explorer, and he is kind of in this Ulysses mode that I was talking about. And they knew this thing was dangerous. This is a tin tub. Like I said, it's like a MacGyver machine. Mike Rice was a guy who rode on the Titan before. He said this has cut 16.
2: On every dive we took, they lost communication. You know going in how very dangerous this is. No one walks into this surprise. Before you even get on, you sign this long, long waiver that mentions possible death three times on the first page. So you know what you're getting into.
0: So there were people online who were making fun of these guys, were laughing at them when we didn't know whether they were alive or not, it was possible that they were stuck in this thing losing air and in danger of suffocating. There's a way of making fun of tragedy that I understand. I've worked with cops a lot, I've been a reporter, where you see a lot of tragedy, you see a lot of ugly things and you start to make unpleasant jokes. Cops make fun of, makes jokes about, I've seen cops make jokes about people who've been murdered. I've seen seen reporters make jokes about disasters that have happened. Those are things that you do to keep your mind sane. So I'm not talking about that. I understand that people do that. But there was this other kind of ugly strain. My son, Spencer Clavin, no relation, wrote a a really good article about this in the Washington Examiner. It was called Jeering the Titan, a culture that celebrates failure. we are only get more of it. And he quoted some of the tweets that went out Actually, it's funny when rich people die in a homemade submarine. Uh, I just know there's another tweet. I just know those submarine rich guys were having sex with, cleaning up the language, having sex with each other when they realized they were going to die. Uh, Some people made fun of Stockton Rush, the guy who built the machine. Some people on the right made fun of him. Here's a clip of him talking about how he picked the crews, cut 15.
3: When I started the business, one of the things you'll find, there are other sub-operators out there, but they, they typically um, have uh, gentlemen who are ex-military submariners, and they, you'll see a whole bunch of 50-year-old white guys. Um, I wanted our team to be younger, to be inspirational, and I'm not going to inspire a 16-year-old to, to go pursue marine technology, but a 25-year-old uh, you know, who's a sub-pilot or a, a platform operator or one of our techs, Can be inspirational so we've really tried to to get um, very intelligent motivated younger individuals involved because we're doing things that are completely new we're taking approaches that are used largely in the aerospace industry is related to safety and uh, some of the the preponderance of checklists uh, things we do for risk assessments and things like that that are more aviation related than um, ocean related and we can train people to do that. We can train someone to pilot the sub. We use a game controller um, so anybody can drive the sub.
0: So they've you know, got this little MacGyver thing and they're playing with a game controller. And people are making fun of that. People saying you should have had some 50-year-old white guys in there to run the thing. But the main thrust of the attacks on these people were like this guy. And I, these are ordinary people. The thing about the internet, of course, is everyone can speak, which I think is a good thing, but it doesn't mean that everyone has something worthwhile to say. It just means that you can hear everyone. And here's a guy, we won't say his name, we'll just call him a moron, uh, who said this, and cut 14.
2: You know what makes me mad? There are 500 people missing in a shipwreck off the coast of Greece right now, and we are all talking about a couple of billionaires in a tin can. We are spending millions of dollars of taxpayer money to try to find this needle in a haystack. Meanwhile, we know where this ship went down, a proper rescue operation was not conducted, and now the Greek government is not even letting the survivors talk to journalists. And I can already see the comments like, oh, it's US money being spent on US citizens. But like, how much is a life worth? Because I think that's something we need to decide. Why do these people get tens of millions of dollars in rescue operations, but someone who needs like twenty thousand dollars for cancer therapy, yeah, we just leave them to die. It just makes me so f-ing sad that it's all about attention. Which, like, I'm a content creator, I get that, but people's lives should not depend on going viral. <laughs> what
0: a moron. Now, first of all, this is wrong in so many ways. You know. I remember in the 1980s, I was a news writer then, and radio, a little girl named Jessica fell down a well in Texas, and the entire country came to a stop. The entire country came to a stop. There was something about that story. This little child stuck in this well. You could, they dropped a microphone down. You could hear her singing to herself to keep her spirits up. I mean, your heart, a heart of stone would have broken. You could have said, oh, you know, there's something else happening somewhere else. and there's, you know. Certain things touch the human heart, and that's what this is all about. This is what life is about. It's about the human heart. It is not about anything else. It is about the need to explore, to understand, to know one another, to love one another. This is what we're doing here. It's not about AI figuring out things. It's not about, you know, oh, oh, this is unfair because we know things are unfair, and I don't know about this thing in Greece, but I do know how many times there have been rescue operations that were not about rich people, where the United States particularly has been involved, but also just heroic people risking their lives. You remember the Haiti uh, earthquake in 2015? We were involved in that. The rescue of the 33 mine workers in Chile, it was 2010, I think, they made a movie about it, the 33. I mean, these things were important, not because those people were rich, the mine workers. I mean, what could be lower down the scale than mine workers? they were important because of the human drama and because people care about each other. And and this is a thing where we could all imagine ourselves, or we should have been able to imagine ourselves, into the situation of being stuck in this little craft with time running out. Now, thankfully, I guess we could say the implosion was probably pretty quick. They may have heard it creaking before it blew, but probably it it was pretty quick. It was not the horrible death you can die in a submarine. But I think that Putting yourself in other people's shoes and stories that draw you into other people's lives are important not just in fiction but in real life, and they're actually humanizing and I think that uh, as Spencer says in his article, we want people to explore, we want people to dare, and sometimes only the rich can do that, only the rich you know only Elon Musk and Bill Rockets that go to Mars it's you know I, I do that in my bathroom, but it's not they're not going anywhere so it's it's not a bad thing that there are rich people who do this, and it's not a something that we should laugh about when they fail. I think it this was this you can say this was adventure tourism, but even adventure tourism is an adventure. And if we don't have adventure in our souls, we don't really have anything going on. That's what this country has always been about. The people it's like saying, Oh, well, Daniel Boone got killed or David Crockett got killed at the Alamo he shouldn't have been there in the first place. This is a genuine this is a genuine corruption where people think their personal righteousness and their sense of fairness over should overwhelm the human experience. I'm sorry this happened. It was a sad thing to have happen, but it was an ugly thing to watch Twitter react. You know, I talk about Hillsdale all the time. I love this place. I think they're having a wonderful moment. I taught there for a couple of weeks. The kids were great. The classes were great. So if you're a few years or maybe even decades out of school and wondering, what the heck did I even learn and what was the point? You might think to yourself that you don't have the time to learn something new, if that's you, then here's what you gotta know. You're not alone and it's not too late since 1844 Hillsdale College has been providing education in faith, freedom, and character. They've taken some of the core classes they teach on campus and made them available for free online for anyone who wants to learn. That's right, they're free. There are 39 free courses to choose from ranging from the U.S. Constitution, the book of Genesis, to free market economics. They're easy to follow and they're self-paced so you can start whenever you want. In fact, you can start right now. It's everything you need, all in one place with no long-term commitment. Let Hillsdale College be your guide. Learn when and where you want. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash Clavin. That's hillsdale.edu slash Clavin to enroll, no cost. It's easy to get started hillsdale.edu slash clavin to register, hillsdale.edu slash clavin. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how do you spell edu? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. All right, the final chapter. It's all about the Jews.
1: There simply must be, simply must be Jews.
0: (laughs) I want to talk about Shakespeare. Because he knew everything. Sometimes people ask me, how can you believe in a resurrected Jewish carpenter? And I say, it's much easier to believe in a resurrected Jewish carpenter than it is to believe that Shakespeare was an actual human being. I mean, his plays are so such a complete look at human beings and human nature. And of course when he deals with the Jews, he's dealing with uh, the God's chosen people and so he reveals a lot. But I picked this play in particular because it's all about transposing values and it's all about finding the values that are the right values and how you distinguish those values one from another. I'm talking of course about The Merchant of Venice and these, you know, I'm not going to say that I was an oppressed person. I was not an oppressed person. I was a privileged person. But I knew a little bit about exclusion. You know, when I wanted to become a writer, I was absolutely deeply in love with great writing and especially a great, honest writing, truthful, hard, tough guy writing. And in a lot of these books, I would see Jews... Excluded. So if I would read Ernest Hemingway, he was one of my favorites, and he wrote a book called The Sun Also Rises, in which Robert Cohn, the Jew, is, he's always saying, oh, he had this Jewish superiority, and he was anti-Semitic. He said a lot of anti-Semitic things about him. Dickens, one of my favorite writers, has, of course, Fagin, who is a, a thief and probably a child molester, and he's referred to throughout the book as the Jew, the Jew. Later, Dickens rewrote that and changed it because he realized it was anti-Semitic and he didn't want to be, but that was still in there. And, of course, there was Shylock in The Merchant Event, And and the Merchant of Venice is all about knowing value. So begin with Portia, who is the heroine of the piece. She's a virtuous, beautiful woman who's been left a fortune by her father, and her father to protect her, because he understands, of course, that people are going to come after her for her money he leaves a little riddle, a kind of mythic riddle for her suitors to solve, and whoever solves the riddle gets to marry Portia, and this annoys Portia. She says, I may neither choose whom I would, nor refuse whom I dislike, so is the will of a living father curbed by the will, so is the will of a living daughter curbed by the will of a dead father. She feels that this is unfair, and of course, anybody who's watching the play thinks, yeah, this, this is unfair. And, and yet, of course, the father is wiser than the daughter, and the father is right. He actually has developed a good way, it's, it's a myth, a legend, but he actually has developed a good way of picking out the right suitor. And the way he does it is he has put out three um, caskets, little baskets, one is made of gold, one is made of silver, one is made of lead, and you can already think ahead, even if you don't know the play, how this is going to work. The suitor who comes in, he's a Moroccan, kind of an adventurous, bold guy, and he comes in and he picks the gold one because he thinks that that's valuable of value, and he finds the famous... Inside, what they're looking for is if there's a picture of Portia inside, then they have found the right one, and they get to marry Portia. But instead, he opens up the gold casket, and I think there's a skull inside and a little note, famous note that says, All that glitters is not gold. Often have you heard that told. Many a man his life hath sold, but my outside to behold, gilded worms do worms In In other words, if you put gold on a worm, it's still a worm. So you can see that Shakespeare is talking about how to find the value in something, and when you think about Hunter Biden selling out his country, selling out his family, selling out uh, any aspirations toward decency his father might have had, assuming there were ever in Joe Biden any aspirations toward decency, which I, uh, let's say we'll leave that as an open question. He's putting gold above everything else, and what you get inside is a gilded worm, which is basically a symbol of death, a kind of spiritual death. Of course, we have to wait for Bassanio, who is wise enough to pick the lead casket, which has Portia's picture inside, because he has seen, she's very beautiful, but what he has seen is the beauty within her. If only Hunter Biden or Merrick Garland had done that, then we wouldn't be having this conversation now. Now, the story is this. The main story is this. It's about a guy named Antonio, who's a powerful nobleman in Venice, who has got all his wealth tied up in ventures at sea, and he is a depressive. He walks around through the whole play. I think the first line he even speaks is, forsooth, I know not why I am so sad. And they never solve the mystery of why he's sad, which is really interesting. Some people think he's in love, but he pushes that away. And some people in modern, this is the modern interpretation, but some people, if you watch the excellent Al Pacino movie of The Merchant of Venice, they have Antonio played as being in love with Bassanio. And he, he doesn't really. Uh, the way they play it, it's Jeremy Irons, is beautifully played, is very subtle, but he doesn't really understand fully that this is a romantic love. But he is, it's obviously, he's obviously a suppressed gay person in love with his friend, Bassanio. Now, Bassanio is in love with Portia. And the thing about Antonio is, Antonio is not just a melancholic, and he's not just a powerful person. He's not just a flawed person, because we'll see in a minute that he is flawed. He's also a representative of Jesus Christ. He is a man of sorrows. Remember, Jesus Christ is a man of sorrows. That's predicted, I believe, in Isaiah, am I right? And he also takes on another man's debt and offers his life to pay off that debt. That makes him a Jesus Christ figure. So Shakespeare's perfectly complicated enough to show you a flawed man who in his actions of taking on this debt despite his flaws becomes a Christ figure, right? So it's the things that he does despite his flaws and despite the things that we'll see that maybe he shouldn't have done that turn him into the image of God the things that he does and the way he behaves in love. When he behaves in love toward Bassanio, he does the right thing. What Bassanio wants is, Bassanio is broke, he's a little bit of a wastrel, he wants Portia, he wants to marry Portia so she'll pay his debts for him, but he's also realizes she is a woman of great worth, she's a virtuous woman and a beautiful woman, and he wants her, but he hasn't got the money to go and see her and to make a presentation, so he asks Antonio to go to Shylock the Jew and ensure that he will pay him back and the Jews were forced into the position of being moneylenders because Christians were not allowed to take to perform usury, they weren't allowed to take interest, and the Jews weren't allowed to do anything else, so they basically put the Jews in this position and then hated the Jews for being moneylenders. Now, Shakespeare's play is, you know, people like to say, oh, he was humanizing Shylock, but Shylock is the villain of the piece, and Shylock is turned into a villain He he quite openly says, by the way, he's treated, and one of the people who treats him badly is Antonio. Antonio spits on him. He undermines his business. He does all kinds of nasty things to him because he despises him. And Shakespeare never met a Jew because the Jews had been expelled from England 300 years before. And it's very unclear how much we're supposed to believe that Antonio is right to do this, because Shylock is a comical, evil character who cares about money more than anything else, all the the old cliches about Jews. But because he's so angry at Antonio for treating him this way, he offers to loan him 3,000 ducats for his friend Bassanio if He can't pay it back, he has to give him a pound of flesh, which is where we get the famous idea of a pound of flesh. So basically, if he doesn't pay him back, he gets to kill him, and Antonio says yes. So he offers his life to pay Bassanio's debts in love, which makes him a Christ figure. So, Shylock, meanwhile, Shylock's daughter has escaped with her lover and to become a Christian. And this is interesting because it shows that Shakespeare is not being anti-Semitic, he is not saying Shylock is bad because he was born a Jew, because one of the anti-Semites says of Shylock's daughter, there's more difference between thy flesh, Shylock's flesh and hers, than between jet and ivory, between white and black. There's more between your bloods than there is between red wine and Rhenish, which is white wine. So they're saying it's not the blood, it's not that you're born a Jew, it is your belief system and the way you are behaving. This is an anti-Jewish play, I believe, an anti-Judaism play, but it's not an anti-Jewish person play. So that's something that we have to reckon with because nowadays we feel very uh, you know, nervous, especially after the, the Holocaust would feel very nervous about a, the anti-Jewishness of the play. But when it turns out that Antonio loses all his ventures and is not going to be able to pay the bond and will have to deliver this p- pound of flesh, these anti-Semites who make fun of Shylock all the time ask him, "Why? why would he take a pound of flesh? What good is that for? Uh, and here's his answer, this is Al Pacino, uh, cut 12.
1: He hath disgraced me, and hindered me half a million, laughed at my losses, mocked at my gains, scorned my nation, thwarted my bargains, cooled my friends, heated mine enemies, and what's his reason? I am a Jew! had that a Jew eyes? Hath that a Jew hands? Organs, dimensions? Senses, affections, passions, fed with the same food, hurt with the same weapons, subject to the same diseases, healed by the same means, warmed and cooled by the same winter and summer as a Christian is. If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? And if you rogue us, shall we not revenge? If we are like you in the rest, we will resemble you in that.
0: See, this is the thing. Shakespeare is really taking it out on the Christians as well. He is saying you have a philosophy that is better than Shylock's philosophy, but you're not living by it. And so you have transformed Shylock into what he is, by not sticking to what you're supposed to be. And when Portia shows up, when he goes on trial, and they say, are are we going to allow him to take a pound of flesh and kill Antonio? And the Duke of Venice says, I have to do this because we have to obey the law. Portia dresses up as a man, comes in as a lawyer, and says to Shylock, show Antonio mercy. And Shylock says, why should I do this? And this is her response, cut 13.
4: The quality of mercy is not strained. Droppeth is the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mighty. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. His sceptre shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and majesty, wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings. But mercy is above this sceptered sway. It is enthroned in the heart of kings. It is an attribute to God himself. And earthly power doth then show like his gods when mercy seasons justice.
0: So what she's saying is that mercy is an attribute of God, and therefore, when you show mercy, you become the image of God, and that is the way, if you read the New Testament, you'll know people you see in the clapbacks, people were commenting on oh, the way I interpret the Bible, and I'll respond to that. But one of the things that Jesus does is he infuses everything in the Bible, all the words in the Bible, with love and mercy. The Bible says you can stone an adulterer. Christ says, that he who is without sin, let him who is without sin throw the first stone, so nobody can throw the first stone. It, there's rules about the Sabbath in the Bible, but Jesus says the Bible was made for man, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he he doesn't rewrite the Bible. He simply infuses it with this mercy. By excluding Shylock, because he's a Jew, they have turned him into the image of a Jew, and that is really what does happen with bigotry. I really do believe that. I really believe that people become what they, the way they're treated. And I think that this is why we, have to, we do have to look at ourselves sometimes when a, a race uh, seems degraded or when a race is behaving in a certain way that maybe we have caused that. I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to include people, but you don't include them. You know, when gay people were excluded, they behaved terribly. They met in bathrooms, they met in clubs where they'd sleep with 20 people in a single night. When we said, oh, we should include gays, that didn't mean we should include those behaviors. Those behaviors are wrong, they're immoral, they're unhealthy, they are bad for people. That's why these gay activists are so wrong. They are the twisted version of this. This is why the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are so wrong, they are the hateful version of this. When you include them, you say, now we are taking you into a system of love and mercy, and you have to show that. And in fact, because Portia makes this speech, and by the way, by dressing up as a male, Shakespeare is, Basically, saying that Christianity brings male and female together. It brings justice and mercy together. He's saying it brings the yin and yang together uh, and solves this whole problem of transgenderism without cutting off anybody's bits. But he's also, he's also saying that you have to let all this go. You cannot react to the evil with evil. You cannot include the evil with your inclusion. You have to keep your values straight, and the prime value is mercy, which is an attribute of love. And this is essentially what we are lacking. It's essentially the crisis that we're in. It's not, it's, when, when I say it's, oh, because we've lost God, you know, if God were just an object, if God were AI, if God were a little statue or a little cross with a figure on it, so you lose them. But what you lose is you lose yourself. You lose your spiritual self, which is the source of love and the source of values and the source of mercy. And that is truly what is leading us down this road to corruption on the left, but it's also making it hard for the right to find its way. Follow Shakespeare, follow Christ, we can do better. Introducing the Precision 5 Razor. One handle plus one blade cartridge kit for only $14.99. Jeremy's lowest cost for a Razor and only for a limited time. It's crafted with a luxurious tungsten handle, five welded steel blades, and a flip back trimmer for a close, smooth shave around hairlines, and hard to reach places. But remember, the Precision 5 is no ordinary razor. It's a sword in the battle for beliefs, a banner to wave into a new economy, a precision instrument to force woke companies to earn back your dollar and stop denigrating your values but it's also a razor, and it'll give you a great shape. The Precision 5 is starting at $14.99, and with a price so low, it has never been easier to stop giving your money to woke corporations that hate you and give it to Jeremy. Join over 125,000 men who have ditched their woke razors and switched to Jeremy's. There's never been a better time or price. Go to jeremysrazors.com today. Okay, it's time for Clavin Clapbacks.
2: Keep it light. Keep it bright. Keep
0: it gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. We've never we'll never get rid of that scream. From Reed. Uh, My question is about your thoughts regarding the inspiration of the Bible. I don't understand. If the Bible can be God breathed but still contain human error, then what exactly is so great about being God breathed? Also, how do you determine what is true and what is error in Scripture? If the Bible contains error, then how can Christians use the Bible as our final authority in all matters of faith practice and living ones? life in a way that's pleasing to God. Now, I said that the Bible is not just inspired by God, but I also believe that it is the book that he wants us to have about our relationship with him. And yet, if you read the book carefully, you will find that what I say, because a lot of people got angry about this and were writing me about it, basically with the same question, but you will find if you read the book carefully, it actually says pretty much what I'm saying. Paul himself says the letter killeth, but the spirit Bring brings gives life. He's saying, if you read things, take things literally, the uh, that you won't get what you need. Jesus, uh, you know talks about the, the Bible the same way. People, you know, people have been tortured in the name of the Bible, killed, murdered, and killed. Wars have been fought in the name of the Bible. That's obviously not reading it right. The devil in the Bible, the devil quotes Scripture in the Bible. So we know Scripture can be misused. When the rabbis believed that Jesus shouldn't heal on the Sabbath, they were, that was their interpretation of the Bible. So we know that 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 interpretations can be wrong when they want to stone a woman taken in adultery that law is in the bible is in their scripture but jesus infuses it infuses it as i said before with love and mercy and therefore it becomes kind of neutralized uh, there are rules for uh, laws for sacrifice in the bible and yet god says i don't care about sacrifice i want a contrite heart so Jesus says, love the Lord, love your neighbor, on this hangs all the law and the prophets. So in other words, there are words there. If you just take the words, you are not gonna get where you want to go. You have to infuse them with this love, this love of God and this love of neighbor. And so there is everything you need to read the Bible in the Bible, but you have to know how to take it. And if you take it with a small mind, and if you take it only imposing on yourself, imposing on it what you want to be there, you will not get at the meaning. I mean, this is why I uh, harry people who say, God didn't, Jesus didn't say don't judge. Yes, he did, that's what he said. You don't want him to have said it, but that's what he said. And if you don't read the, the Bible as in fact it's meant, you're, you're going to be led astray. So that's, that's what I'm saying. We're still, everybody wants certainty. There is no certainty. You have to find your way. That is part of what life is about, is finding your way to God, through sin to God. That is what the journey of life is. From Beth, Governor DeSantis' campaign is exactly what it should be. I had said that I was not impressed so far. He represents a return to reason and sanity. Don't expect him to tap dance even more, so, so don't require he tap dance. Uh, as conservatives, we, me, all of us let Trump addict us to the shiny object, the ticking time bomb, the constant adrenaline flow from what the heck is next. Ron DeSantis' is a return to slow and steady wins the race. Listen, I I partly agree with that. I I really like Ron DeSantis, and the polls, as they are right now, don't mean anything. Everything will change. Uh, And I certainly agree that I think he is more capable of doing what Trump says should be done than Trump himself is capable of it. But the one part I don't agree with it is politics is politics. It's not enough to be the best. You have to... Seem to the people to be the best, so you can get elected. It doesn't help us if DeSantis is the best if he doesn't get elected. I'm a writer. I, my purpose in life is to tell the truth beautifully. That is what I do. If nobody reads what I write, then it's hard for that beauty to live in the world, so I have to promote myself. I hate promoting myself. I hate saying, oh, I, I'm great, love my book. Love my, you know, it's not something I want to do. I have to learn to do that so you can get the thing that I have brought to the world. If it's, you know, I, I think it's a gift, I want to share that gift with you. That's how it comes to life. The same thing is true of Ron DeSantis. He's got to win. I'm not saying he won't win. I'm saying that so far. I haven't been impressed with his ability to get his message out. We'll see. It's just it's very, very, very early on. The polls mean nothing. If they meant something at this stage, Jeb Bush would be president, Uh, you know, so they so they don't. All right. Become a member. Because we're going into member block now. You want to be a member too, go to dailywire.com slash subscribe, use code Claven at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. If you don't know how to spell Claven, you will now be plunged into the Clavenless Week, which is a little less clavenless than it used to be, but it doesn't matter because every clavenless moment is like an eternity. For members, it's time for member block.